welcome to the Cumberland Podcast. My name is Chris Fleming. I'm the Adult Ministries Coordinator for the for the Discipleship Ministry Team of the Ministry Council of the Cumberland Presbyterian Church. And today we're going to be talking about Trans- Transfiguration Sunday. That's going to be February the 23rd. Uh, but before we get into that, I wanted to remind you that Lent's coming up. Lent starts with the day of Ash Wednesday. And on that day, in addition to your uh, normal routine, we're asking that churches around the denomination uh, would enter into the day of fasting and prayer, that you would be mindful of our denomination, the ministries that we do in the name of God, and we, we would hope that you would pray deeply about about our church, that you would fast seeking God's blessing and wisdom and discernment in our churches so that we can preach the gospel and be faithful to the call of preaching redemption in Jesus Christ. Also, I wanted to let you know about the intersections resource that we have. It's set up kind of as a small group study. It has a uh, discussion-based teaching, and then it has a journal section that you can keep uh, each day as you go through. We have a Lent and Easter uh, portion, so please, if you're interested, go to cpcmc.org forward slash store and search for intersections. You can call Cindy at the Resource Center to get some more information. You can call me, 615-424-8561, and I can give you some information on different resources that we have for Christian education. All right, so Transfiguration. Uh, Sunday. The texts for this week are Exodus chapter 24, 12 through 18, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 through 21, Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 9, and then Psalm chapter 2, or Psalm 2. And the collect for today is, O God, who before the passion of your only begotten Son revealed his glory upon the holy mountain, grant to us that we, beholding by faith the light of his countenance, may be strengthened to bear our cross, and be changed into his likeness from glory to glory. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forevermore. Amen. So again, Transfiguration Sunday is the day that the church celebrates the clarity of Jesus Christ as the fulfillment of the law and as God's one and only Son. In the Transfiguration, Jesus is shown to be greater than the law of Moses and that God has given Christ authority over all uh, dominion and authority over all rulers of the earth and jesus christ is the king of king and the lords of lord lord of lords and we'll delve more deeply into that uh but first uh, i want to point out some just general themes and i think one of the things to point out is actually uh just to talk about the church calendar or how we as christians understand time uh maybe it's a general theme in our scriptures maybe it's not but it might be helpful to you somewhere down the line Ecclesiastes says there's a time for everything under the sun. And as we leave Epiphany and we begin our Lenten journey, we acknowledge that there are different seasons of life. The church recognizes that there are mountaintop experiences, like like transfiguration. But it also recognizes that there's ordinary times. There's times of rejoicing, times of sorrow, times of repentance. This week is a mountaintop experience, but next week, we, like Jesus, set our face toward Jerusalem. That's going to be a hard journey. But we share this experience on the mountaintop to help strengthen us for the journey. Once we go through Lent, we're met with the cross. Then our mourning turns into rejoicing as we observe the Easter season. Then we move to Pentecost and the movement of the Holy Spirit and the establishment of the church and the power of God in the lives of Christians. We go to ordinary time after that. And the ordinary time takes up the majority of the church year. And it's amazing to me how the church thousands of years have decided that There's times of rejoicing, there's times of mourning, and there's ordinary time. There's time for listening and proclaiming. There's time for acting and practicing a Sabbath. When you think about the calendar, 
that we follow as U.S. citizens. It's made to shape us into the best citizens we can be. We take off for things like President's Day, for Veterans Day, Labor Day. We have parades and fireworks on July the 4th. We observe days of important figures like Martin Luther King Jr. and others. So just imagine if we took the church calendar with just as much importance when we observe Lent or when we wait with eager anticipation Advent and Christmas or Easter. Maybe if they were more than just themes and we devoted our life to a different calendar, maybe we would become spiritually deeper. But so far as general themes for this week, uh, this is the last Sunday of Epiphany, and it ends with a blazing light. In the Exodus passage, we read God is like a devouring fire. In the Epistle passage, uh, Christ is a lamp shining in a dark place. And in the Matthew passage, Jesus himself turns into this glorious light from or of God. Another theme is that Jesus Christ is demonstrated to be God's only Son and the great ruler of all creation. There's a purposeful comparison of Jesus ascending the mountain and turning into light with the passage in Exodus when Moses ascends to receive those life-giving laws from God and he brings them down to the people. Peter says that Jesus received honor and glory from God in saying, This is my beloved Son. Listen to him. Another theme that would be good to preach for your congregation is that for your Lenten journey coming up, to listen. That's the general theme. A general theme is to listen. It's a good one in our, our culture which believes as long as you shout the loudest, you'll be heard. But instead, in these passages, there's a warning to listen. But not just listen, but listen to the right things. In the Old Testament, there's a preparation to hear all that God will reveal. Uh, Moses bringing down the instructions on the temple and how to worship and so on and how to live. Um, in the psalm passage, we read about how the kings of the earth should be wise and should be warned. They need to listen. In uh, the Peter passage or in the epistle passage, Peter says, "You'll do well to be attentive to this message that we preach, like a lamp shining in a dark place." Right. So that's that's the general themes that I got for you. To get specific in each text, first the Exodus, I enjoyed working on that on this passage uh, this week. Here's what I got from the Exodus passage. First is listening for God may take preparation. So God tells Moses to come, come up on the mountain and wait there. And I'm not one that would deny that God is everywhere, and you can speak with God at any time. But I'm also not giving up on the fact that some conversations are different than others, simply by virtue that they're more important and that we're human. And talking to God isn't a natural thing for us. should be, but it's not. I believe that God values the human family unit because we learn more about God in those earthly relationships. And let me explain that. I'm part of a blended family. And when I first got married, I realized very quickly, if I wanted to get deeper in the relationship with my newfound children, uh, it was going to take time and effort. It's true, I saw them every day. But it was the times when I planned a trip to get away from the ordinary and to go somewhere new. It took time and it and it was some excite some excitement to it. Um, whether it was a trip to just go see a basketball game with my stepdaughter or just to go visit another city with my stepson, uh, it was those times which took preparation where we had our deepest conversations and greatest growth. Our ordinary places at dinner and breakfast, they were definitely important because they laid a foundation. But sometimes you have to find holy ground. You have to ascend a mountain, if you will. And I think this is something we shouldn't overlook because it's an important part of this text. And it's important for the season of Lent. Uh, some conversations require something different. 
And so the second, um, another thing I would note is that listening for God may take time. And again, God speaks all the time. But notice that Moses went up on the mountain and then waited six days before he hears anything from God. God was speaking the entire time. It says the glory of the Lord covered the mountain for six days in the form of a cloud. Maybe, though, the first step in listening and hearing is to become aware of the person who is going to be speaking or the conversation that you're having. Maybe it took six days for Moses to be in the right spot to hear what God would tell him. And I believe this is important. A big step in listening is patience and humility. And again, I think of my children. They're all different. Taking my son who loves video games and hates sports to a football game for bonding time probably would uh, show more of my desire to do what I want to do and less desire to hear and to care about his desires. So maybe taking time to think about someone is the first step in listening, and that's what happens here when Moses goes up to the mountain and then waits six days before he hears anything from the word of the Lord. And the next point, I think, is also important, and maybe this is more for preachers and elders, but I think it applies to everyone in the congregation. In verse 17, the text says, The appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Here's the thing. We desperately need ministers and elders to really listen to that verse. The appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire to the people of Israel. If you're an elder, if you're a minister, you've been ordained. You've been set aside for the purpose of being spiritual caregivers to people. There's going to be many, many people that you'll meet that the glory of God seems more like a devouring fire than a, than a heart of warmth and comfort. But we're put in the midst of it. And then we bring something to the people. And that's what happened to this story. Moses receives from God and he brings the revelation to the people of God. This is what we've been called to do. It's why hands were laid on us and we were ordained for this purpose. It's a serious calling. However, a brilliant principle of the Reformation is that every member is a minister. So everyone in your congregation finds yourselves in places where they must be like Moses. We take serious our call as proclaimers of the gospel to those who can only see God's glory as a cloud or a consuming fire. It's your role as a parent. You bring God's you bring a definition of God, an image of God, a glory, the revelation of God to your to your children. If you're a spiritual friend, you stand in the gap when your friends are going off course as a teacher or as a husband or as a wife, no matter what position you're in, you take serious your relationship with God. You take the time and preparation to hear from God, and then you bring a revelation to God to other people that God has placed around you that need to hear a revelation from God. So that brings us then to the second psalm. And I think this psalm is meant to illustrate the majesty and absolute rule of God, uh, or Christ as King of kings and Lord of lords. This could be a good text to preach about the politics of the day. So it doesn't matter the political party or the nation on the earth. If you sit and listen for any amount of time, there's really no thought on how a spiritual transformation of people is the only hope for a good government or for the world. Instead, we have debates on policies that pit, that pit people against one another and, are, uh, and, and set forth a competing set of human ideas that seek to either A, level the playing field, or B, make our country great again. And true, there's an appeal on occasion, when it's convenient, to the wisdom of God. A uh, political candidate might scripture a or place a little scripture passage here or there, but ultimately it seems like there's a power grab underneath it all. And so second, God's response to it is laughter. I, I can only imagine that God sits enthroned on the creation of the earth and he just looks at our 
power politics like little puppies playing with one another. In our psalm passage, God gives notice to all political platforms, political leaders, those who would want power, that there is a different plan. And it's God's plan to send forth a king who's going to administer justice and to be righteous. This king will break the rod of the oppressors, and he will break the pride of the kings of earthly kingdoms. It is certain in this psalm that those nations who continue with idle platforms will feel the brunt of God's authority. And then the third point in the psalm passage, God's warning to them. The psalm ends with a warning to political leaders, to kings, to queens, anyone who seeks to grab power that plans not made with the wisdom of God will not simply just fail, but they will be utterly destroyed. Paying lip service to God won't cut it. The psalm says to kiss the feet of the Lord with fear and trembling. In other words, humility would be a good place to start when we have our political conversations or when we think about political ideas. Now to the Peter passage, or the epistle passage. Peter, writing the epistle passage. Uh, This is a good scripture to speak to your congregation that lives in a culture that might have strayed somewhat away from God's uh, desires. First, the thing we have to say is that the gospel is not a morality tale. We do a great disservice to our congregation, our people, when we make the gospel something about morality itself. When we make the gospel a new law to be followed, we undercut the purpose of Christ coming into the world. Many people will say that Jesus came to make sure people loved one another. And in and of itself, that's fine. It's certainly an offshoot of what Christ came to do. But the truth is that Christ came to defeat evil and everything that comes with evil, such as violence, death, and sin. And he did it. The gospel and preaching the gospel isn't about telling people how to follow the golden rule. At best, that's Christian education. Peter said this isn't a story. It's not a myth. It's that Jesus Christ came as the Son of God to defeat evil, and he did it. And Peter and the disciples witnessed that God chose Christ to be that warrior king. Again, much is made in our pulpits that Jesus is this meek and mild person riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. And he did that for us poor, pitiful human beings. But Christ was a warrior king when it came to evil, death, and sin. He defeated these things as a warrior. And he came back to life and he he gives us the, the riches of that battle. And second, Jesus Christ is both the Son of God and the Prophet of God. This is an exclusive scripture passage. Peter is saying, I am a witness that God has placed God's seal of approval on Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is to be honored and glorified. Not Moses, not the law, no one else. Jesus Christ is God's son, and Jesus Christ is the one who who, uh, speaks forth God's message. No other system or law or other religion made up by the greatest of human minds has the approval of God or the power of God to defeat evil. And then third, the proclamation is from God, not humanity. And I'll let you wrestle with how you want to preach this, but you do need to note that Peter says no prophecy of Scripture is up to human interpretation because prophecy doesn't come from human will, only when men and women are moved by the Holy Spirit speaking from God. So this might be a time when you teach about how the uniqueness of Christ is attested to by the Scripture and the Reformed principle of Scripture alone, sola scriptura. Scripture doesn't allow us to interpret Christ as anything less than what the Nicene Creed says. When we repeat with one another, sometimes in service, if you've ever said this before, we believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation he came down from heaven was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. 
On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. Or, the short form, you can find in the Cumberland Presbyterian Confession uh, in section 3.07, God's mighty act of reconciling love was accomplished in Jesus Christ, the divine Son who became flesh, to be the means by which the sins of the world are forgiven. And finally, the Matthew passage. Um, It's a purposeful comparison to the events in the Exodus passage. Jesus Christ goes up on a high mountain and the reenactment of what happened in Exodus played out. And here's some preaching points. Again, number one, Jesus is greater than the law and the prophets. A pivotal moment in Jewish history was Moses coming down from the mountain with the law. It formed the covenant by which God would dwell with God's people and they would worship and love God. And the prophets then were an integral part of calling the community back to faithfulness to the law when the people went astray. In this scene, Moses and Elijah seem subservient to Jesus Christ. And then this is God's way of saying what the law uh, has tried to do and the prophets described are found in Jesus Christ. He is above uh, these, these systems. So second, God affirms Jesus as the way toward relationship with God. In this sense, the transfiguration not only mirrored and gives meaning to the scene in Exodus, but it also ties together Jesus Christ and the vision of Jacob at Bethel. When, when Jacob dreamed of a ladder to heaven and angels ascending and descending from heaven to earth. In John 1, 4, uh, 43 through 51, uh, Jesus has a conversation with Nathaniel, and Jesus says, He is the ladder where heaven and earth meet. In this scene on the Mount of Transfiguration, we get the whole story. God uh, prepares the people through the law to have a relationship with God. The prophets bring back the, the, uh, the people when they go astray uh, back to God. But in the end, the only hope that we have is in Jesus Christ, to which the law and the prophets point to. In Jesus Christ, God fulfills the promise of communion with us. In Jesus Christ, heaven and earth meet. We all, like uh, Jacob, uh, get to see this communion of God with humanity. And then probably the third thing in in the uh, Matthew passage is don't get sidetracked. Instead, listen. That's the theme. Listen. The theme pops up again and again. This is for the Christian who wants to make something complicated out of something very simple. Peter wanted to dwell in the glory of God. But God, doesn't, God wants us to see past the fire and the smoke and the, and the light and understand what's actually happening. He's, Jesus, God breaks in and says, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Don't get sidetracked. Don't get taken in by the trappings. Keep focused on the main thing, which is Jesus Christ. Also, I think, along with that, don't get sidetracked is, you can't stay on the mountain forever. Like we receive revelation, we receive inspiration, we receive feeding when when we're on the mountaintop, but it's not to stay there. It's that we can descend as Moses did and bring to the people that God places in our lives a revelation from God. So that's what I got for you today. Uh, later on this week, or maybe first of next week, Monday, I'll drop a podcast about the season of Lent for Ash Wednesday, some of the worship services or customs that are observed. Uh, throughout the church and uh, hopefully you'll find that interesting Uh, dear lord i pray that you would give us wisdom that you would give us courage that you would give us the words to speak i also pray that you would prepare the hearts of those that we encounter that they might see you in us and that they might submit themselves to to your teaching and your love ultimately lord i pray that we can connect uh, we can be a ladder uh, that spans that 
that spans the the hearts of humanity that they can find you through uh, us serving you amen <laughs>